who are you? Who are you? It's a question of self-examination. It is very essential for being in gospel ministry. An answer that, that, that marks who you are. Your ministry. Characterizes. Confess. I am not the Christ. I am not Elias. I am not that prophet. I am not worthy. It is not about me. But about Christ, the Lamb of God. Friends, is that your understanding of yourself? In fact, three marking questions for ministry demand our attention this morning arising from scripture which I want to meditate with you with the help of the Lord. That's, that is summarized in the theme Marks of Ministry. Arising from the passage of scripture that we have heard from John 1, verse 19, who are you? Verse 22, what do you say of yourself? And verse 29, 36, what do you, what do you say? The, these three marks of gospel ministry, which result is, which is seen in, in following Jesus, as we have read from John 1, verse 37. And therefore the first question, who are you? Not what people think I am, not what I think what people think of me, but who I really am. Identity. Ontological question. Question of being. Because, friends, when we are called and sent by God, John 1 verse 6, when you are a witness, when you bear witness of the light, John 1 verse 7, of that light that shines in the darkness, the darkness of this world, the darkness of the very corner of your heart. When you are a testimony of him, of Christ, verse 14 of the first chapter of John, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Friends, when people are flocking to your preaching, flocking to your teaching, your ministry, preaching is powerful, the repentance for the remissions of sins, as we read of John the Baptist in Luke 3. Multitudes are coming to you. When people are touched by your ministry and ask, what shall we then do? When people are in expectation, musing in their hearts, as we read in Luke 3 of John the Baptist, whether you are messianic or not. Because when that happens, be honest this morning, you, you begin to think that you are someone in the kingdom of God. Eh? Someone in church, someone in seminary. Someone that cannot be missed in God's work on earth. Someone that is maybe even indispensable. That is when 
when pride and prejudice comes in the fore of your life, in your ministry life, and it is displayed in a pious way or displayed in another way, but, but deep down it is, it is arrogance. And friends, what is missing is self-knowledge. Self-knowledge. Know thyself. From the passage that we, have, that we have read together, knowledge of yourself in the first place, what you are not. That also belongs to knowledge of self. I am not the Christ. And there is a late medieval painting, the so-called Isenheim altarpiece in the south of Strasbourg in France, Depicting John the Baptist, uh, Baptist with a lamb, stretching out his arm, with a pointing with his index finger. And with the text above his arm is written in Latin, Illum opertet crescenda me atum menui, he, pointing to the lamb, symbolizing Christ, must increase. But I, John, or whatever name you is this morning, must decrease. I am not the Christ. Can you say that of yourself? Does that characterize you? Does that mark you? One who also have to say, I am not Elias. Was promised him, Malachi 4, I, was, I, I, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Elijah, a man full of zeal for the ministry of the Lord. A man whose name is, my God is Yahweh. All true. But what are you saying of yourself this morning? I am not him either. Then are you that prophet? And referring to the Deuteronomy 18, where Moses foretold of that great prophet would come. No, 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 I am not. If you are not that Christ, nor Elijah, neither that prophet, verse 24, who are you? Verse 27, I am not worthy. Not worthless, not worthy, indicating I don't deserve this. In light of him who has to increase, Christ himself, who is preferred before me, even the straps of his sandals, which was the string or the tongue by which they were fastened to the feet, to unloose them, was an office of a servant. And therefore I am, I am un worthy to perform the lowest office for Christ. Remarkable humility, eh? unworthy to be in Christ's service, in Christ's ministry. John was well known, highly honored. Thousands came to hear him, while Jesus at the time was unknown. But, but, but John says, I am unworthy to perform the humblest office 
for Jesus. Who are you? Is the humility. Does that mark your life? Our ministry that is entrusted to us, called into seeing your own unworthiness. It is not about me. Humility, unworthiness is not a compliance with the relativism of sophomoric skepticism, but a grateful imitating of Christ, who being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, and he died a death that you and I deserved. And therefore, humility begins with a sense of submission by grace to God in Christ. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a slave among his master. Friends, humility does not feel a right to a better treatment than your Savior, Christ, God. It is not a life based on perceived rights. The apostle said, Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps. Humility asserts truth not to bolster ego with control, but as a service to Christ. We do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord. God-given and gracious-given humility shows, shows that it is dependent on grace for all-knowing and believing. What do you have what you have not received? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? Friends, humility knows that you are fallible and so considers criticism and learn from it even in ministry. We see in a mirror dimly and we know in part. Yes, also when you study for an MA or for an MDiv or for a TSM or a DMIN or even a PhD. Being reminded, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. This self-knowledge in light of Christ taught by grace, word and spirit, I am not worthy. Axios in Greek, I don't deserve to be in a God-given ministry and called into gospel ministry. Does that now characterize your life, your study, our teaching? It is not about me. I'm unworthy. I'm unworthy. When you look at yourself with all your flaws and failings, with all your sins and shortcomings. Well then, that he may give an answer. What do you say of yourself? There's also knowledge of yourself, what you actually are. I am the voice. In the original is two words, ego, phone, I, voice. This is who I am. A voice, the one who is speaking, 
is inevitably revealed by a singular sound of his or her voice. And, and we often take it for granted. But, for example, every time someone asks over the telephone, who is speaking? And receive a reply, familiar utterance, it is me. And the, the, the friend's speech over the telephone brings us the friend himself, herself, as she is or he is holy present, is, is manifested, is revealed through the voice. I am the voice. This is who I am. And scripture is full of it. Eh? You are recognized who you are by your voice. Deuteronomy 4. You heard the sounds of the word, but saw, saw no form. There was only a voice and the Lord spoke to you. How he reveals himself often by his voice. Matthew 3, the father, behold, a voice out of heaven said, This is my beloved son, in whom I well please hear him. Friends, it is a voice, a voice of witness. I am of that what I witness, witness of him. And verse 15, John bear witness of him. Verse 34, I saw and bear record that I bear testimony that this is the Son of God. The voice gives voice to what is heard and seen, what is experienced, bearing witness and testimony of Christ. Such an essential mark in ministry. Because friends, With all our learning and study, we, we, we cannot convince people of the truth. And certainly we cannot convert any people. But we can witness giving voice of what is experienced, of what is encountered. When you read your Bible or prepare a sermon, say for practice preaching, for example, don't you wrestle? Of hearing God's voice, looking for his presence, encountering him, meeting Christ through his word. Wrestle that you attest with the bride of the canticles. Let me see your face. Let me hear your voice. For, and that is the reason, your voice is sweet. And your countenance is lovely. Oh friends, when he reveals himself to you, opens his word for you, and gives himself hearing him. Through his word, it is, oh, this is the voice of my beloved. Behold, he comes leaping upon the mountains, skipping upon the hills, mountains of your flaws and failings, hills of sins and shortcomings, and all those things that brings the separation between the Lord and your soul. But to hear him through his word, it is the voice of my beloved. And friends, until this happens, there is nothing for you to say. Nothing for me to say, for a preacher to say. But when it happens, meeting Christ, hearing his voice, you become a witness of what is seen and heard, and you are renewed and afresh and refreshed. You become a testimony, a record of that encounter of God and yourself 
through his words. Christ says in John 15, you also are witnesses because you have been with me. And to be with him gives you a voice. And he invites even now, if any man, if any man hears my voice and open the door, I will come into him and I will sup with him and he with me. Oh, friends, that's are the moments of union and communion with him to be with him. And it gives you a voice uh, to witness, to testify what he has done to your soul. A voice of witness and testimony who he is. And that brings me to the third question, so essential and a mark in ministry. What, what do you now say? And when all is said and done, what do you say? What is now the essence of everything you speak? What is now central in your speaking to those around you? And verse 15, this was he on who I speak. Verse 29, the next day John sees Jesus coming to him and says, Verse 36, and looking upon Jesus, <coughs> Jesus as he walked, he said, because when you have learned by grace, this humbling, making grace, what you are not. I'm not the Christ, I'm not Elijah, not that prophet, not worthy to serve him. And learned by that same grace what you are, a voice, a witness, a testifying joy. What does now mark your conversation, your speaking, your teaching, your preaching? Behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. Take note. See. Look. Christ, the Lamb of God. Is that the essence of everything you say and have to say, marks you. Oh yes, Christ has to be manifest and Christ has to be revealed to you. Otherwise we are blind even to notice him and know him. Verse 26, eh? there stands one among you whom you knew not. Otherwise we don't see him, friends. Verse 31, and I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest. Do you see him? Do you see him? Is he revealed and manifested to you? And be honest this morning, by nature we don't see him as he is because he has no form, no comeliness. When we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not as Isaiah reminds us in chapter 53. And therefore this reminder this morning, this crying voice, behold, take note, see. Verse 29, John sees Jesus coming to him. Christ gives himself so that he has seen, behold, the Lamb of God. Friends, is that the essence of of what you say and speak. And remember, 
De painting South of Straßburg, John's Testimony of Christ and of Himself, point, pointing away from Himself. Is that now seen in your life? Pointing away from self. I, that I, that must decrease. But Christ, He must increase. And pointing to Christ, the Lamb of God, is that also seen in your life? This Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world, this Lamb, of which is said he was oppressed and afflicted, he did not open his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and for who? We all, like sheep, have gone astray, and we have turned everyone to his own way. This lamb, of whom the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all, this lamb, who made his soul an offering for sin, for your sin, this lamb who bore the wrath of God against sin, your sin. This lamb, despised, rejected of men. This lamb who borne your griefs and borne your sorrows. This lamb who laid down his life. And he did it for you. It is he of which John the Baptist proclaims then, as he is proclaimed now. Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world, takes away your sin. Through his blood, shed on the cross, where, where you and I deserve to die. But he died as the Lamb of God. His blood that cleanses you of all your sins. That lamb which was foreshadowed in Exodus 12. And they shall take the blood of that lamb and strike, strike it on the two sides of the post and on the upper doorpost of the houses. Friends, is the blood of Christ on the doorpost of your life? Is that blood of Christ on the post of your ministry. You cannot miss it. The Lord says, when I see the blood, I will pass over. Which the Apostle Peter says, but the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot, he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in the last time, for the sake of you. For the sake of you. When you grasp that for a moment, when you grasp that for a moment, friends, also when we have begun in this week the Passion Season 2022, will you not join in praise and deep thanksgiving, worthy, so worthy is the Lamb. This Lamb of God, God's Lamb, God's given Lamb, we did not deserve anything and God gave 
everything that he had and he gave it for you. This morning, in his infinite grace and mercy, despite everything that is going on in your heart and life, midterms, family stress, or whatever concerns and cares you have brought into chapel this morning, but seeing Jesus coming to us, revealing himself to us, he is not hidden. He is among us, clothed in his word, coming to us, standing among us, and see him who takes away the sins of the world, to see him afresh and anew. Oh, friends, it gives you a voice to speak, to witness, to testify about him. Your savior, your superior, your substitute. He's your savior, makes straight the way of the Lord. Then it is Jesus alone as the sin-removing lamb of God. He's your superior. They asked, why, why, why are you baptizing? And he answered simply by saying, the one I'm preparing for is so superior to me that I'm not worthy to entire sandals. My baptizing is not about me, it is about Jesus. And he is infinite superior to me. And he is your substitute. Jesus is so infinite superior to you. So absolutely before you and therefore ranks infinitely above you. And because of all of this, that is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Your substitute, he for me. Behold, see him, even now. Who takes away the sins of this world. And not only for you. But for the whole world. Sufficient for the whole world. You understand, don't you? Hmm? You understand, don't you? Because if this forgiveness is sin, of sin was possible for you. Then it's possible for the whole world. No one excluded. But a gospel. But a gracious gospel. But a generous gospel. Gospel. He himself is the appropriation and the toning sacrifice for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. Friends, in Christ, the Lamb of God, it has been freely prepared and must be freely received and it must be freely shared. Is that now the essence? Of all what you say and in all your speaking. Does this mark you? And such a gospel witness eh, and testimony transform lives. As we see in our last point, transform lives. Uh, maybe that's not always seen in, in, in your ministry. But to labor in ministry with this great hope and this great expectation because of this great savior the lamb of god here it is eh? in our text word of this morning verse 36 and looking upon jesus as he walked he said behold the lamb of god and two of the, the two disciples heard him speak and they followed jesus looking to jesus eh? because of everything i am not 
speaking with your voice, feeble as it may be at times, behold the Lamb of God. But when they hear, they follow Jesus. Does this also characterize, mark your ministry, seeing lives transformed and they followed Jesus? Those to whom you minister, those around you, those that have been entrusted to you, and they follow Jesus. Who are you? What do you now say of yourself? I having seen him, Christ, who met and meets you as you are him, whom my soul loves, because he loved me first. I only can point to him, proclaim him, preach him, speak of him, Behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. And blessed are those who hear his word and keep it and follow Jesus. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, will apply your word to our hearts and life that this will characterize and mark our lives. By grace having been taught who we really are and who we are not, but to testify of Christ, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world so that those around us may follow Jesus. Bless your word in our hearts and life, that it might bear fruit to the upbuilding of thy kingdom. And we pray these things in the forgiveness of our sins, in speaking and in listening, but for Jesus' sake. Amen.